Med Family is a show about a family journeying through medical school with kids and navigating married life. Tag along to see how we got here and where this journey is taking us. Hello, welcome to another week of our podcast, Med Family. I'm the host, Eric Acker, and I'm here with Karen. Hi. We've had a pretty eventful week, as it, <laughs> eventful and uneventful, all in the same, so hopefully we don't bore you too much uh, on this week's episode. So th- this was Halloween week. Yes. So we spent most of the week not knowing for sure when trick-or-treaters would be coming by and what we were doing for Halloween, per se. We had... We'd gotten Halloween costumes for the kids. Karen, yes. Karen's good at that. Yes. Well, it's the first Halloween that our kids have actually participated in in any form. And they were very excited. So we went to a Halloween party for the kids on Saturday. Yeah. And that was pretty ambitious, I thought. Like the the host, <laughs> yeah. they hosted a very, very good job. But it was a very ambitious Halloween party for kids. Especially kids that age. Like they had activities, they had things to do that might take a little extra coordination. And for a party that consisted of mainly, I don't know, I think oldest was 10. But they had different stations for to do things. And as a, as a parent of four of the kids there, trying to walk two kids through a station was near impossible. So... We just let the kids kind of just run around in the backyard and do whatever. It, but we had... At one point, Oliver found a shovel. Oh, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, there's a shovel by the, <laughs> by the shed back there, and he was trying to dig a hole. Uh, it was probably to pick up dog poop. Yeah, probably. <laughs> we rediscovered how much they love dogs. Our daughter has developed a slight fear of dogs since... Oh, really? Yes. Oh. She, she was shying away from the dog Every single time. I think it was just... It's the biggest dog she's been around. So oh, German, okay. German Shepherd? I think so. Yeah. So, but the, your mom's old dog wasn't, I guess, I guess that, about half the size, maybe. Yeah, it was nearly as big so, as that one. I don't know. She, she wanted to like the dog, but was too afraid to go near it. But the boys, the boys loved, loved the dog. So it went better than we anticipated it going. It's always kind of a, a crapshoot when you bring... Four kids four under kids six somewhere. years. Yeah, under six. Four kids under six anywhere because it's all really dependent on whoever whoever starts melting down first. That's that's the go signal. <laughs> we made it. Well, sure, <laughs> sure. That was the goal go, go signal. When I know I like for I the last not. like thirty minutes of it, it was like in five minutes we'll leave. It's like we should be we should be leaving. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like trying to pin our two youngest down in the, bal- uh, the the deck area because that was somewhat easier to pin two kids down that wanted to escape. And I'm not sure what the other two kids were doing, but it was like, okay, we're leaving five minutes. And I'm just like, okay, I'm just keeping the kids out of the dry ice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I was trying to help clean up so we weren't, le- we weren't leaving them with a the disaster. Mm, but Okay. Hey. No, it's, it's a good thing to do. There's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. I know. But the two youngest fell asleep on the way home, which was nice. They needed it. And, and they got to wear their costumes, which, uh, as it turned out, our oldest son ended up coming down with a cold. 
Yeah. And so he, that was so that was Saturday night. He had, <laughs> and so, he had the man flu. <laughs> oh. Okay. Uh, I'll just ex- I'll just take that for now until until she gets sick and then we're we'll see how much of a man flu it is. Right. Anyways, he was he was pretty pathetic. So he slept in our room. But because of that, we kind of felt like if he was sick and big runny nose, he didn't ever have a fever, maybe a temperature every now and then. Not that we could find a thermometer or anything, but uh, we just figured he was better off not going out and about for trick-or-treating. So he kind of missed out on that. I don't think he realized he missed out on it, though. So I think we did okay. Yeah, we did fine. And they were playing trick-or-treating today, so that was pretty cute. Um, And he was a bat. Because that was what he wanted to be. It was a bat. So we had a bat, a princess, a, <laughs> a dinosaur, dinosaur, and, and a, a baby shark. shark. <laughs> I was going to get them all like a themed costume. like We were thinking like, what was it, Ninja PJ Boy? Masks, PJ Masks, yeah. Like a Ninjalino or something. But, yeah. but Eric went and asked them, what do you want to be? Don't ask them. Just get them a costume and let them be excited. <laughs> it wasn't like they weren't watching Halloween TV shows for the last month and a half and formulating their own plans. True. True. Anyways. So. Speaking of which, our, our daughter has formulated her own plans for her upcoming birthday. Yes. Yes. She has decided that she wants a rainbow cake, which I now have to figure out how to make. And something about grandma and grandpa? Well, they're coming for Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. That's, yeah, she was telling me all about how she was going to have a rainbow cake, and grandma and grandpa are going to come read to her, and I'm just like, okay, uh, <laughs> well, good night. <laughs> <laughs> Time is relative. <laughs> like, well, they're not going to come tonight. I, I don't, I'm not aware of this plan. <laughs> I'm going to have to check with Karen. Just they're going to have to drive 12 hours. <laughs> Are they actually going to drive? Yeah. Oh, okay. We've been, we've been working on our holiday plans and schedule, and so far we've figured out my parents are coming over for Thanksgiving, and I think we are going to Texas for Christmas. And I think... Get back in bed. Okay, so I think we are back. Our, <laughs> our oldest <laughs> son came out of the room to let us know the baby was being loud. He was sad. The baby was sad. <laughs> So I'm sure he got another glass of milk. And no, no. I just gave him his blankies and he had he head dove into his blankies and was fine. It's a good thing he, <laughs> good thing that he doesn't like head dive into his bed or anything like that or accident, like into the, the wood, wood of the bed or whatnot. Oh, he so. did that this week. Oh. He was running away from me. He didn't want to change his dirty pants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. This week has just been interesting. So we had Oliver sick. On Saturday, Saturday Sunday. evening, Sunday, and then Sunday, was it Sunday evening? No, it was. What are we trying to get to? Thursday here? evening. Thursday evening, when Eric got home, he noticed he he was running out to go get food because it was just a rough day for me and I didn't cook, and he noticed that there was white stuff on my car. And yeah, it looked yeah. like if someone like spilled milk on something, <laughs> like kind of Kurdish stuff. And I was like, huh, I didn't think we spilled coffee, and. I looked at the car, looked around, and I eventually ended up looking up and saw that the ceiling was leaking. Yes, our water our water heater blew, so that was exciting stuff. So. Yeah, I got to learn how to shut off the water to the water heater. <laughs> I got to learn what I thought was draining it, but I wasn't draining it, so oh well. 
and then turning off the power to it. So we ended up figuring out a lot of things real quick. And our landlord being as good as she is, uh, she got us a plumber the next day. And I only had to endure an ice cold shower once. Which actually, yeah, too bad. I woke up that morning with the intention, knowing that I, was, I wasn't going to have hot water, with the intention that I was going to work out and then I wouldn't mind a very cold shower because sometimes when you're sweating, you don't mind having a cold shower to cool you off. I decided to sleep in and did not work <laughs> out. And well, so <laughs> figuring, figuring out that the water heater had blown and, that, and then how to turn it off, make sure all the power was got off of it. And, and then try to communicate with the landlord that we and, had yeah, a problem. All of that. We didn't actually get to bed until after midnight. So it's not like... I'm surprised you thought you were going to get up and work out, to be quite honest. I'm an optimist. I go to bed every night thinking I'm going to wake up at 5.45, or as my alarm says, 5.43, <laughs> which you always whack me in the morning and tell me to turn it off. you don't get up. <laughs> he doesn't wake up. I wake up. So I inevitably turn it off and then <laughs> wake up maybe an hour to two hours later when the kids wake up and... Less than an hour later, really. The kids get up around six, sometimes earlier. And then this morning, I actually did get up and worked out. Yeah. But water heater, thankfully, the plumber came. He confirmed that it was, the water heater was toast and worked out with the landlord how to get a new one and installed it in the garage. And so now we have our hot water. Less than 24 hours later, we were back to having hot water. So that's... That's great. Yeah, I feel bad for our landlord. She has replaced almost everything. Well, <laughs> Every not everything. Major thing. I mean, like, they had to do a little bit of work on the HVAC and then the hot water heater. Right, and then we before we moved in, she did the roof and all the oh, major appliances. Yeah, she did all the appliances, too. And the countertops. So, well, like, the roof, I think, was part of the sale deal, so I don't think that, that cost her anything. I think oh, that was maybe. part of the like closing term that they had to replace the roof and then they would buy the house, something like that. Something like that, yeah. But um, e- either way, it's been. We have a brand new house. <laughs> yeah, and it's just been kind of a long weekend or a long week because of that. Plus, the pediatric rotation has been a lot of early mornings and kind of later nights, and yeah, it's been going I think well overall. Uh, there's some struggles I've had with the pediatric rotation. Not nothing like too major. I mean, some of them is just like personality or maybe some perception on like because the other PCOM student, he's really good and whatnot. I, I enjoy working with him, and I think we work at least decently well as a team. You know, when you you get another medical student, you don't know if you're getting one that's going to compete with you, or you have one that's going to work with you. And coming from Trinity, a lot of the kind of Trinity atmosphere has always been teamwork and working together. Like, we're all trying to do well. We're all trying to get to the same goal. And so we're not trying to make each other look bad. But other medical schools don't have the same mentality. And I'm not, I don't know if one particular medical school is worse than another. That's just a rumor I've heard. And I was very thankful to have a P, uh, student from PCOM that is... He worked with me a lot, and he, he certainly is putting in the effort, and I think we learn from each other a lot of times. Uh, so there are times when I have the answers, and there are times he has the answers to the questions, and I think it works out pretty well. Well, again, we're, we're both trying to be do a really good job on our rotation. It's just that sometimes when it's just like, you can't help it with 
your background, I guess, is kind of the issue is he comes from a background of uh, family doctors. So he has got physicians that run in his family that are, are known in the, in the community. And sometimes that gets like put to center stage. The preceptor knows that. He doesn't, the uh, student doesn't bring up that fact. He, it gets just brought up in conversation because he it's known by his last name that his family is full of doctors that work in the community. So it's kind of like working in somebody else's shadow. It's not his fault. It's not the preceptor's fault. Everyone's just kind of fulfilling a role. And so it's just kind of a one extra thing you just kind of have to work with and work um, in conjunction with any rotation. And you're just trying to get the best you can out of the rotation. You know, <laughs> at some point you just, I'm just trying to learn as much as I can, do the best I can. If whether or not I'm in somebody else's shadow, that's not, not really my fault. It's not really something I can do. And it's not really worth complaining. It's not worth like writing a letter to the school and complaining about the rotation or anything. Like I'm still learning. The preceptor is still teaching. So, you know. Yeah. But we had a good rash of a lot of ADHD patients last week. We had a, a mixture of suicidal patients. So there was a lot of psych that was able to kind of draw into my <laughs> my rotation. The doctor even let me meet with one of the patients one-on-one while we, you know, pre-rounded in the hospital. So I got a long history on this patient. I had a hunch with an idea of what I thought the patient had, and I was just completely wrong. Having done that history, which is why the doctor had me do that history, I had an idea that the patient had one condition. And then as soon as I asked one question in my patient history, it was pretty obvious he didn't have that condition. So, but you took a stab at it. Yeah, you, you took a shot and you, you, <laughs> you know, you, le- you learn. And I have found from this rotation that as far as pediatrics goes, I like the hospital level of pediatrics uh, when you're this is I'm going to try to articulate this in a in a in a way that doesn't make me sound like a crazy person clinic isn't always the most fun and it could just be that I'm not as hands-on when I'm in clinic but the hospital one of the things that appeals to me is that you are treating the patient you're managing their conditions you're managing whatever comes up and then at some point you discharge them to go home and then they go home and so that kind of appeals to me a lot. <laughs> That's probably a, a reason why general surgery and orthopedics has been something I've always considered in the back of my head during this medical journey is something I want to do is because there's this, you treat a patient, you see kind of a resolution, you see it you know, come to a conclusion and you send them home and then you're done. Like ongoing care is fine. Like I don't, I don't hate that about clinic i don't hate the ongoing care component i just sometimes there's a little bit of monotony with clinic it's like okay every patient's got rsv <laughs> this patient's got a runny nose it's allergies and you kind of you do get different unique patients but after a while you're just like okay this is flu season so it's going to be a whole bunch of flu this is going to this is rsv season which you know from i think august through february is basically rsv season for pediatrics so there's gonna be a lot of rsv and you you diagnose it you you treat it i guess i mean as much as you can treat rsv (laughs) which is basically supportive care and oxygen you know oxygen and fluids um you just don't want it to get any worse than what it is sometimes you admit them sometimes you don't Uh, i don't know it it could just be i'm not as hands-on in clinic and that doesn't strike me as particularly interesting standing around watching and listening isn't always the most stimulating sometimes doing and 
actually being able to interact is a little bit more interesting to me. Well, I don't know. I'm going to go back to it. So we did strength finders at, at one point and I'm going to go back to like reading through Eric's well, strengths. Could you maybe just back it up a little bit and just at least tell them what strength finders is? So strength finders is you take this questionnaire thing and it gives you your top five strengths. And then when you read through your strengths, it, it was, we did it as a couple to kind of just see what each other's strengths were and like how to better be better cohesive as as a unit and one of Eric's I can't remember which one it is what one is it babe I have a few I have five right <laughs> yeah, <laughs> supportive you... learner what well, what's the one where you start something and, and you can't you don't want to stop until you have a resolution because that was one where like early on in our marriage Eric would start like a car project or something and then we would have to be at like a family birthday party or church or we had like a definite time where we had to and like it was the worst thing to try and get him to stop mid project to go to something that we had already pre-scheduled that we needed to be at and like that was one of his his strengths was, and I'm forgetting what it was, but basically I think speaking to that, that strength of like single mindedness and working at something until you have a, have a, an answer and a resolution or some sort of plan in place. Like to me, it makes sense that he's have, he, he would think along the lines of, something within the hospital where you treat a patient, you have a resolution, they leave to go home, you are done. Like in, in <laughs> because in our marriage that has been how you how you are. And so and in our marriage that was something that we had to talk about because but that was something that I was like, okay, so that is something that is ingrained in him where he, when he starts something he has to stop something. So now as as his wife okay, you are starting this car, car project today. We have this plan today. Are you going to be able to stop <laughs> in order for us to go? Or is that going to really drive you insane? Because if it's going to drive you insane, we already have this plan. So you need to do this a different day. And we kind, we kind of worked out a system where I'd give him the hour, like, okay, we need to leave <laughs> in an hour. Okay, we need to leave in 30 minutes. You need to, you need to wrap it up, take your shower, and we are going to go. I mean, you were doing this just yesterday, right? Like, <laughs> we, we had gotten this, essentially like a car, top of your car, a little carrier. So when we go to Texas during Christmas, we'll be able to stash some of our luggage on top of the car. And I was trying to figure out how to get the lock off and try to figure out there's a certain number for the particular lock so I can buy a replacement key because when I bought it, it didn't come with a key. So I was trying to figure it out and I'm in the garage working on a, a solution with, of course, a hammer and <laughs> and Karen comes out like, I just put the cheese sticks, mozzarella cheese sticks in the oven. I'll let you know when they're done. And then like five minutes late, you know, 10 minutes later, whatever it was. And she's like, okay, the cheese sticks are done. <laughs> like I gave you a warning and now I'm coming. To <laughs> it's time to move on from this project and switch to dinner time. So you still do, you do this now today. And I've just gotten in the habit of doing, it. I do it with our kids too. And, and I, it is actually helpful with our kids. Well, and I, I know it bothers you when I kind of hyper focus on something and so I try to only do projects when I know I can complete them. Well, it doesn't 
It doesn't bother me when you hyper-focus on something. It bothers me being late. I oh, hate yeah. being late. Yeah, you're... And, and I married into a family where they really don't... Like, time is relative. <laughs> like, going to Eric's family's like, like party is at 4. So we show up at 4. Nobody else shows up until about 5, 5.30. Yeah. Like, that is their family. And it's just like... it. it it's expected. <sighs> <laughs> it gives me anxiety. I need, like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Karen always has to be on time or early. And on time is 10 minutes early. Yeah. And so my family, particularly a few people in my family are <laughs> habitually never on time. I was one of those people until I married Karen, in which case I had to be on time. <laughs> and now it's my other siblings that are always late. Yeah. And even my parents are kind of a little bit of. Yeah, when we hosted, it, it yes, when we hosted, <laughs> I just planned not to have dinner ready until about an hour and a half after people were scheduled to arrive, which worked out. Yeah, but, so, I mean, learning curves, right? Like, you have learning curves in marriage, you have learning curves in, like, in everything, in every aspect of life. But, I don't know. It actually, I, for any of you married, I think it actually was a worthwhile test to take and book to read it didn't take that long and well it, it was like a it was a pretty decent sized survey like and to be fair i don't think i actually read the book i think i, I did just, not read the book <laughs> i just read the five that were mine and the five that you were buy Eric. the book because the book has an access key in it <laughs> and then you use the access key to take the test and you get the your top five or whatever strengths and so you kind of it's kind of like when you do the love languages as well. You kind of learn what what the other person perceives as being, you know, what love is to them, or what what they perceive as affection or something towards directed towards them. And so you can use that to better communicate, <laughs> uh, to better support your spouse in whatever way. And in either case, um, I think Karen's probably right that I uh, I like to be able to fix something and see a resolution and it's even true for when i worked on cars and when i still work on cars is that i like to start it see a resolution to the problem it's nothing greater than turning the key of the car after you fixed it and it just turns on and you can drive it around and you're like yes i have fixed this car uh, <laughs> and sometimes that hasn't been my experience I, i've never i've never turned a car into a brick i've never had to have a tow truck drive my car away Unless it was on the side of the road, which is a different story. No, Eric has always worked until the, the car was fixed. fixed. It may have taken a while, but... Yeah, Karen's now learned that when I tell her so a project will take X amount of time, she just, like, doubles it. <laughs> Unless it's spark plugs or tires. That's fine. Something simple. If it's like, oh, I think it's just this problem, but once I get into it, I'll, it might be a whole bunch of other issues. And Karen's like, okay, doubling the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know a lot about cars, and I I could probably answer questions about cars. Yeah. So just like, but it, I I if I looked at an engine, I wouldn't be able to tell you tell you where anything was. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're getting a little off of the medical we stuff, are. but I we mean, are. just as much as like you learn cars by proxy. You, you learn medical stuff by proxy. like. But I don't think my last adventure on teaching you medical stuff was uh, particularly beneficial. I, had, I think I sent you an, an audio file 
um, of one of the patient's heart heart uh, sounds. So I, as I mentioned in a previous podcast, many many podcasts ago, I have this attachment on my stethoscope that listens to the sounds of the heart and then records it, and I can upload it to um, the website for it's EKO Echo is the company that makes the attachment. Well, that's what the attachment is called, an Echo Core. And I can then re-listen to the heart sounds to get a better idea of what it sounds like, what I'm listening to. And so I, I we had a particular patient who, I, I love patients like this too, like this mom and her son came in and she was, I think they were just for some benign follow-up visit. It wasn't actually for anything particular. But by the end of the appointment, she was like, so you guys are medical students, right? I'm like, yeah. Have you heard a, a ch- tetralogy of fellow? And I'm like, well, I've heard of it. I mean, that's tested like crazy in medical school. Of course, you know tetralogy of flow. It, you know the four conditions, you know, the four things that make it up. And so she's like, well, he has it if you want to listen. And so like you, you should never tell a medical student about a rare condition that they've read about because suddenly like it's like stethoscopes are in the ears and we're slowly <laughs> approaching the, like it's like fresh meat, you know, like ooh, what's this? <laughs> Did the kid care? The kid didn't seem to care. I mean, he got we we hardly do much more than look look in the eyes and ears and mouth and then listen to the heart and lungs, and even that's kind of abbreviated compared to what you could be doing, and. After she makes that announcement and the doctor's like, yeah, go ahead, listen to it. And he leaves the room like it's suddenly the kids like, OK, now sit up. We're going to listen to your heart. OK, now lie down. Now sit back up again. Now lie down and sit back up. Now stand up. <laughs> like he, this poor kid was like, we like he's constantly having a stethoscope. And like, you know, so the uh, the other student, the PCOM student does his what he wants to listen to. And then I do what I want to listen to. And. In either case, it, it was all, it was kind of fun, and then I had sent Karen like an audio of it, and like, isn't that cool? And she was like, "Yeah, I can't hear a thing." I, mean, no. <laughs> and, I, I do want to clarify: I do send these audio files, but I don't. I, I do record them. I don't include patient details on any of my audio files because I don't want to deal with a HIPAA, HIPAA violation or whatever. Whatever, so I have pretty generic <laughs> labeling. I have a certain system of labeling things that um like i i think i named that patient tetralogy of fellow so it's <laughs> it's not like a particular patient like anyone can directly point to there's no real identifier unless anyway so i i sent that to karen i sent that to a few other medical students just to see what they thought it was without giving them a whole lot of information and because you you hear about it in medical school. You learn about these murmurs, and then you learn about how they're described. Like, oh, it's going to if for pulmonary stenosis, it's going to be an early systolic decrescendo murmur, and you know what that looks like on a picture. <laughs> it looks like a uh, an arrow pointing to the right on a line, and it's, you know it's going from loud to quiet and i'm not going to do what my professor did which is make the noises himself (laughs) (laughs) that's that's not gonna work um but like you you hear about it you know how to you know what it what it is by um how it's described but a lot of times we don't always appreciate the 
on what it actually sounds like. And so that's why my, I like my stethoscope a lot is I get to listen to something over and over and over again to really try to hone in my, you know, ability to recognize it. And I, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm a professional. I mean, I'm not, I think if I listen to another pulmonary stenosis heart murmur, I probably will not pick it up right away. And there's other cases where I think I even show, I think I showed you as early as like two nights ago where I was almost certain I could hear some sort of like post S2 murmur that no one else seemed to hear. <laughs> and it was like, it sounds like you can hear the S2 sound and then it trails off. And then I was comparing it to normal patients that did, you know, I knew didn't have any heart issues. And I was like, see, you can hear a very clear S2. And then this one just trails a little bit. And I don't know if I, I got that one. or uh, I mean, there's a lot of times I think I got something and I have nothing. So... <laughs> But, I mean, it's all part of the learning process, right? Yeah. And yeah. it's kind of fun because, I mean, I don't know if you did it to this patient, but in your family med um, rotation, you actually let the patient hear because you can do that through your phone. Yeah, I find with pediatrics, um, they find it interesting. I think anything phone and screen-wise, a lot of pediatric kids find it interesting. But I also think it's, and maybe this is me reading more into my actions than what the kids do, but... I like to try to get them a little bit interested in medicine in as little interaction as I have with the kid. Sometimes just breaking out the phone and being like, look, this is what I'm listening to. I'll turn, I'll turn the, the live feed on my phone so that you see the phone is the, the visual representation of what the sound wave looks like. And so I'll tap on the stethoscope a few times so the kid knows that every time I tap on the stethoscope, he's seeing a bunch of squiggly lines show up on the screen. And so the kids generally, oh, well, that's interesting. And so then you can start listening to this at their heart. And so it gets them to see what you're seeing in some ways, maybe a little bit of curiosity. And I'm hoping I can get a little bit of curiosity from some of these kids that maybe they're consider a career in medicine. Or at least not be terrified when you turn left out of the neighborhood and, no, no, doctor, no. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, they, they don't always associate the doctor as like a, a terrifying person that gives them shots. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and some, some I, I don't know, some of these kids have like ADHD and they have behavioral issues. And I, I'm just hoping to maybe pique their curiosity a little bit that, they might want to do something in the medical field in the future. And so... So the big question, did the kid get a sticker or a sucker or something for all his trouble, her so trouble, whatever? I'm bad at this. <laughs> the previous PCOM student that I was with for the, like my first week, she would give stickers to all the kids. I haven't found where they keep the stickers. <laughs> Honey. So like none of the kids get stickers. <laughs> I know, I need to that do that. That is your chore for the rest of the week. Usually if like a kid has a particularly traumatizing visit, we'll give them a popsicle or something like that. But no. That is pediatrics 101. I know, I know. I know. That it's and like the tongue like, depressors. Oh, or, I, don't, I don't do any of that stuff. Or That's some the doctor's funky stuff. something. Hey, you, you would be surprised how many times you tell a kid to open their mouth and say, ah, and they just like open their mouth. And you're like, okay, now say ah. And they're like, no, uh. not, I'm not doing that. 
<laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> like, Where, well, whereas our kids, Eric leaves the stethoscope out or the uh, otoscope. Uh, yeah, ophthalmoscope or otoscope, depends on what which one you're talking about. The one that goes in the ear. Okay, the otoscope then. Okay, yay, I got it right. The kids will uh, run away with it if you're not paying attention. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, but they're actually somewhat cooperative with it. Well, that's because you've let them wear them and listen themselves for so many yeah. times. So, well, the otoscope—you, how many kids actually do not like having that thing go in their ear and they freak out? Well, Judah still won't let you put it. Yeah, in his that's ear. true. His age and Xander's age actually get like pinned down by their parents. <laughs> yeah, our two and three-year-old are very strong. It is near impossible to give them any medication or to get to look in their ears. Yeah. No, it's, uh, they'll get, they'll get used to it, hopefully. Uh, sooner as opposed to later, please. <laughs> but it's, it's an improvement about our kids actually wanting to touch and looking, having people look in their ears and then listening to hearts. Like, it's an improvement from, I don't know, six months ago where they were, like, terrified to turn left out of our neighborhood because that was where the doctor was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which... We need to take our youngest back in because he's still behind on jobs. Yeah, we got to catch him back up. Yeah, being being not in the states since three months old, he he's significantly significantly behind on his yeah vaccinations. But we're we're fixing that. It shouldn't be a problem at all. What's wrong? Oh, I wasn't seeing any bars on my because you're not microphone. close enough to the microphone. I am close enough. <laughs> Meet the struggle every week. Can Karen get close to the microphone? I don't like feeling like I'm kissing it. You don't. I'm like still three inches off the microphone. It just feels really close with like the spit guard there. You know. I don't know. Okay. All right. Well, it is what it is. Anyway, <laughs> this is my uh, I think last week of in person pediatric. So still doing the same same old routine essentially of going to the hospital, pre-rounding. If I have a little extra time, I try to listen to a few more online meta videos to get a little bit more on top of things. I, I got I got a little schooled today because of uh, we only had two patients in the hospital compared to last week where we had like 12. And so the doctor had a lot more time to ask us questions. And of course, he called back to the topics from my first week where he said, look up all the cyanotic heart defects and understand how to diagnose and manage them. And so I did that. And then he never asked me about it again. And I never refreshed my memory on it. And so today he asked me, <laughs> he asked us questions about, he presented us with an idea of a patient, you know, being blue and the nurses tell you they're blue and Everybody that you might need to have help you out is out with COVID. So what do you do? What's your first step? Uh, me and the other student, we worked our way through some of it. I jumped the gun and went straight to a, an echo before I <laughs> did just about anything else. So I didn't I didn't uh, know all my stuff. And then we went on to another topic of jaundice, which we've covered ad nauseum. And so, I, you know, just a little bit of humble, humbling uh, this morning and having a lot of extra time means the teacher, uh, the preceptor has a lot of extra time to teach and try to make sure you are learning and try to impress upon you the importance of what you should be learning. So I'll have to spend a little bit more time tomorrow morning just refreshing my memory so I can not not stink it up another day. 
Yeah, because unless more patients have been admitted this today or this evening, you're going to have another question session tomorrow. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, like, we were just about out of the, like, our most complicated patient, and I say complicated, like, air quotes around that. Like, the kid, the kid is just about done. Like, we're pr- I'm pretty sure we're discharging this kid in, within the next couple of days. And the other one that we had admitted is like a newborn so they're going to be going home soon anyway like there's nothing complete there's nothing really concerning about the newborn as of yet well, so. that's always good news yes that that is good news <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's it's not particularly interesting but it is but it's I mean there's always testable concepts like what's the billy when it when threshold? it comes to kids you don't want an interesting case but you have to see the interesting cases to know how to manage them true but no I wouldn't wish that on any parent, (laughs) so I'm not going to wish for you to have that experience. No, it's fine. We had one that I think the doctor was on call, and he started working on the patient and ended up getting transferred to a different doctor, but he ended up quizzing us on it anyway. And now, a week later, that kid is, he he was on like a CPAP, and the kid was on a whole bunch of other monitors and whatnot. And the kid was sitting next to our kid, both of them off monitors, really, not on CPAPs, just hanging out in a in a little cradle thing. So it's like, okay, it's good to see that with a condition like a respiratory distress syndrome or TTN, that's not a death sentence. <laughs> They're not like going to circle the toilet and, and get uh, a more complicated problem. Like there, there is a more complicated problem after ARD. Uh, is it, RDS, but I don't remember it off the top of my head. If I saw it on a page in a multiple choice question, I could tell you what that was. But <laughs> so, have you practiced? Well, have you upped your swaddling skills in this this uh, nope, rotation? Nope, I haven't even haven't even touched a patient. I haven't touched a baby. Haven't touched a baby in the he, hospital. He does that. All right. I mean, I, I get. I guess I have. I I've, I've done the red eye reflex test. Oh, okay. So the other the trick to the hospital is that you have newborns who are sleeping and breastfeeding, and especially if we go into the the mom's room and like you don't want to irritate the little newborn, then be like, here you go, mom. <laughs> 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 like you want to be like the doctor. The, the precept that we have wants to be the pediatrician, and so you are kind of doing a sales pitch at the same time of like, hey, I'm so good of your kids. I don't I don't irritate them and I'm knowledgeable and good kind of thing. You, you, you're showcasing some of your skills and knowledge for the parents so that they might be like, yes, I would be comfortable with you being a pediatrician. So if you have two medical students with you and each of them pokes and prods your kid and then gets them very angry <laughs> and then they're like, here you go, you can have it back. And then you're like, I just nursed, I have no more milk, and the baby is screaming, and even if I had milk, the baby would not be happy. Thanks. <laughs> I've gotten three hours of sleep tonight. <laughs> like, th- that is a little different than kind of what we experience. That's kind of interesting. Because I guess here there's a bunch of smaller practices where, like, we were part of a big, we went to a big clinic, and so... Yes, we picked our pediatrician to some extent, but we picked our pediatrician within that clinic and somebody from the clinic 
rounded on us at the hospital. Yeah. Like so, the pediatrician we saw in the hospital may not have been the pediatrician that we stayed with. Just within that group, we picked somebody. But Yeah. But even here, I mean, like my preceptor has another doctor that works under him and and she sees patients in the hospital they take turns admitting patients to each other and so i don't know it's kind of similar a little bit different i could tell you right now that about three o'clock in the morning if we ever had a kid at this hospital we would be woken up to uh do a billy ribbon check at 3 a.m yep no well that all the babies get a Billy Rubin check about three o'clock in the morning. So why? I'm not. I don't. I don't make the rules. That's what the chart always says about like about three. You know, from you know three o'clock to like three ten in the morning. All these kids get the Billy Rubin checks, and they're all inputted in the chart like that. So that's awful. Well, do I, they hate the moms? Maybe it's just like the night crew has to have something to do. I don't know. <sighs> <laughs> I was probably up anyway. Come on. No, no. I always asked. You were there. I always <laughs> asked, can you not come in while we're sleeping? And then when the baby wakes up and I wake up, I can just page you and you could do whatever tests or temperatures or whatever when we're awake. <laughs> like most babies are born at night anyways, aren't they? Well, yes and no. I mean, babies are born whenever babies want no, to be born. No, I know babies are born whenever they're born. But statistically speaking, aren't most babies born in the evening? I couldn't tell you. Um, I haven't looked at those statistics. <laughs> and I can, yeah, for sure, I can say, like, when I leave clinic, I check the hospital. And many times during the day, I don't see any new patients added to our, our list. And then when I check in the morning, there's usually a couple extra on the list. And then sometimes while I'm just sitting up there pre-rounding on the computer, I hear that little chime go off, like, two or three times. So... It, oh, do they do a chime? They do do the chime, chime thing, yeah. Is that all hospitals? I, I think just select hospitals that choose to do it. But I don't know if that goes off throughout the entire hospital or if it's just in the nursery. Oh, okay. But they did that at our delivery yeah. hospital as well. Yeah. But they did that throughout the entire hospital. Yeah. Which is kind of nice. It's a kind of a nice change from people being sick and dying to, hey, look, a, new kid, a kid has entered the world. <laughs> it's, it is nice. There's a little bit of change of pace in medical medical field anyway. Uh, either case, our rotations kept more or less winding down. I get to spend the next uh, four days with the, well, three three days with this preceptor. He's, he's taking a trip end of the week, so I might either get passed over to his partner or I will just end on Thursday, so... Anyway, so I have my work cut out for me. I'm trying to pick up my pace on understanding material. I'm not sure what I'm going to do for the next three weeks. Like, because I just don't don't take my shelf exam until the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And I'm not even sure what I'm going to do with myself. I, guess I feel like I'm covering so much material right now that somehow I'm going to have to still have material to cover for the next two to three weeks. I'm sure I'm going to do a lot of practice questions. Have you gotten through all of your videos? Um, just about. I, mean, I think I still have like maybe six or seven left. I've, I've, I put a few off to the side, like well child checkups, which I know that sounds bizarre for somebody who's going to clinic every day and we are doing well child checkups, but he doesn't quiz us when we're in clinic really. Uh, and he certainly doesn't quiz us on vaccine schedules. <laughs> so, well, I feel like every state is different with vaccine schedules. Uh, we follow the CDC guideline. 
I think we get tested on the CDC guideline, and a state may have a different set of parameters as well. I haven't looked that up. Well, I know I didn't. I When we first moved here, I had looked back at our online like hospital mm-hmm. um, coverage for our, well, all of the kids, but especially the two oldest, and I had sent you with the two oldest to the doctor's office because there was no scheduled shots on their online thing from our previous doc pediatrician and then both of them ended up having shots and I felt bad because I he went by himself Eric went by himself with two kids that he had to pin down to give shots to and normally if I, I know that a kid is getting shots then we'll do one appointment one either one child at a time with one person or we both will go and each have one child well, I think with Oliver, he just had a couple to catch up, and then he was—he's going to be good for like a year or two. Like, yeah, but I, it just wasn't because the younger ones had shots scheduled in their thing, saying that they needed these shots or they were behind with these shots, and the older two did not. And I just scheduled a, a well child because we hadn't been to a doctor in a while, so I thought that they should have one. Yeah, Not no, because makes I sense. thought they actually needed shots. So I was just surprised. So I didn't know if it did vary by state. I'll get back to you in the next three <laughs> weeks. In the next three weeks. <laughs> well, I mean, I, they, I certainly have things to learn. Vaccine schedules being one of them. And then milestones being probably another one. That's just that's something that we're not necessarily quizzed on during our in-person rotation as of yet. But... I, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll have some stuff to do, obviously, the next three weeks, but I feel like I've covered a lot of material in the last two and a half, and I still have one more week to go. And I, I will give this preceptor a lot of a lot of props because he, he really hammers in material that is pertinent, and I think he knows is relatively highly tested. So it's not like you're just getting experience with the practice of a particular specialty or subspecialty you're getting really like board questions or the procedure of what you do what what's first in the order of treatments and management of of uh, pathologies and whatnot so he's very good at what he does and i do i do think he does a, a really fine job he keeps you on your toes he keeps you honest um sometimes it's hard to understand what what he's asking sometimes it's hard to understand like how to answer him but by and large if you're you're there to learn uh, if you're there to work hard uh, and you make an effort i think he he appreciates that at least so anyway i'm i'm sure like next week we'll try to wrap up and talk about the last what we did this last week and hopefully have some more insights into what that was like anything you want to throw in there all right no. So we're just going to go ahead and wrap up today's and this week's episode. Of course, I'll probably spend tomorrow night editing, which is always fun if I don't fall asleep. So uh, pro tip, if you hear a whole bunch of ums and ands and long pauses in like a 10 minute span, it's probably because I fell asleep during that editing process. Which never happens. Never happens. Never Absolutely happens. not. Anyway, thank you guys for listening in this week, and we will talk to you again next week. Bye.